You're listening to a podcast of New Covenant Church. Join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. in Pompano. Good morning. My name is Charlie Javidjan. Uh, it's such an honor to be with you guys this morning. For those of you that don't know anything about EMA, we are a nonprofit organization that exists to prevent family separation by advocating for moms who are in crisis. I don't know if you guys know this, but about 71% of kids in our foster care system right now were removed from a mom or a caretaker because they were unable to meet their child's most basic needs. That's food, water, shelter, clothing. Those are reasons that are totally preventable. And every year those numbers are increasing. So if we want to make a sustainable impact in this space, we have to journey upstream and begin to focus at this crisis on its root causes. Um, We have created a court-approved prevention program called EMA. And every day we serve a really vulnerable demographic of moms who are in poverty, who are at risk of losing their children into foster care, and some moms who have children in foster care and are working really hard to be reunified with them again. And so every day across our city, moms are referred into our program. One of our offices is here. And we have the privilege and honor to wrap around these women holistically. We assess their goals and needs. We create a custom action plan for every mom to move from a place of crisis to a place of stability. And then we pair her to an EMA advocate. And advocates are women of faith, just like many of you, that we recruit from local church partners and train and equip to journey with one mom through her crisis. We believe that there are women in this room that are fully capable to step into that space. Just last year, there was about 88% of moms that came through our program that were at risk of losing their child if no intervention was offered. 88% of those moms kept their families together when paired to an EMA advocate. 76% of them achieved financial stability, and 97% of them increased in their parenting practices. For a mom in crisis, advocacy can change just about everything. We believe that women, that mothers, were equipped by God and have the most unique ability to reshape our societies. Why? Well, imagine with me just for a moment that an entire generation of marginalized and disenfranchised mothers are met by the church with advocacy and support instead of blame and shame. Families are preserved. Foster care statistics begin to plummet. And those pipelines to poverty and prison and addiction and homelessness begin to slowly fade. Oftentimes, we think that that vulnerable mom is seen as the problem in our foster care crisis, when in fact, she's the very unexpected solution. And so I just, I want to call this out this morning because of what's happened in our country over the last year, or week, few days. Um, I once heard an analogy of a church being described as first responders. And you imagine, you, we know we have fire stations all over this city, and these firefighters go, and when they're on call, they're doing some training, they may take a nap, they may work out, but then the sirens go off, and they have to respond. What would happen to our city if the firefighters just decided, hmm, 
I don't think that call is for me. The sirens are going off. What are we going to do? When I was fostering, um, our then foster son had weekly visits with his mom. So I would take him to Childnet, which is about a mile south of here. And it was only an hour visit once a week. And so I would hand him off to the social worker. And the social worker would bring him in the back room to visit with his mom for an hour. And so I would just wait in my car and watch the front doors of this facility rotate with mom after mom after mom after mom coming, walking into those doors, very excited to see their kids. And then leaving so heartbroken to say goodbye, knowing they're not going to see their kid for another week, for 60 minutes. And I don't know all their stories and situations and circumstances as to why these children were removed from their care. But statistically, if 71% of them were due to unmet basic needs, let's say 7 out of 10 of them were in this position because of poverty. But what I do know is that 100% of those moms made a decision to choose life and to carry those kids to term. And 100% of those moms never imagined in a million years that they'd be there. That's our responsibility. The sirens are going off. Let this not happen anymore on our watch. We serve hundreds of mothers a year right here out of this church. And we want you guys to participate with us. So I want to have a very exciting announcement for you guys. We have been growing and scaling EMA all over the country over the last year. What started here is now being replicated in cities across the, across the country where we are training and equipping organizations to do exactly what we're doing here and to launch and start their own EMA programs. So thank you for your support. And I want to introduce you guys to our new regional director of South Florida, Kristen Albertini. And you're going to see a lot more of her than you are of me um, because she is going to be running. She's going to be very boots on the ground and running our operations, especially in Broward County, to be able to ensure that every mother in crisis is met with advocacy. So without further ado, I wanted to introduce to you Kristen and let her share with you guys of an immediate opportunity for you to join our work. Well, good morning. Thank you. And thank you, Charlie, for that introduction. And um, I'm just excited to be here with you uh, this morning. I've had the opportunity to walk through your doors for the last few weeks and months as I have become situated in this new role, in this position at Every Mother's Advocate. And just as Charlie mentioned, my name is Kristen, and I am the new regional director for Every Mother's Advocate and have the extreme privilege of looking after the mission of EMA right here in South Florida. And what I'm most excited about of all the things that I get to do uh, in this role, in this position, is to speak to people just like yourself and to encourage the church to remind us that for such a time as this, we have been uniquely positioned to respond to the injustice, to respond to the needs in our community, and not because we carry the answer, but because we know the one who has the answer, who is the answer. And so my job today, my encouragement, my excitement today is to hopefully uh, encourage you enough to, in, to step into this invitation of becoming an advocate 
Charlie has just reminded us of the need and what is going on right here in our backyard. And as I look out in this room, I see woman after woman after woman who I know would be an incredible advocate. And I know that when you hear the term advocate, what thoughts might run through your head is, whoa, that, that's, that's way beyond me. That's not what I do. You don't know me. You don't know my experiences. I don't have the answers. Well, I'll tell you what, I don't have the answers either. But what an advocate is is someone who is willing to humbly accept the invitation to step into the story of another person's life as they are working towards stability and a willingness to allow the Lord to use them so that we together as the church can mobilize the gospel. And weaved into the DNA of Ema is the desire and the commitment to live out the gospel. It's the desire to take the love and the truth and the grace that we have experienced and to move that into action. And so it's simple. So if this is a big idea, I just want, if anything else, I just, nothing else, I want to break it down that it is simple. All you have to do is to say yes, and we will do the rest. Together, our team will equip you. We will train you. We will build a community here at New Covenant. And it is my desire that we truly do that. I'd love to see 10. I'd love to see 20. I'd love to see 50 advocates come out of this house for the women that are in this community. And we are committed to doing a training next month. And I will be in the back of the room at the end of the service to explain a little bit more about what does it truly mean to be an advocate but what it looks like after you're trained and equipped is an hour to two hours of your time for 10 to 16 weeks. We have created a curriculum. And so all that it means is to maybe virtually or in person meet with a woman who is working through her goals so that she could provide for her family and to encourage her, to champion her, to speak life over her, and most importantly, to see beyond the problem and to see her as a person and to take the love that God has bestowed upon us and to extend that to her. And so you can do that. I can do that. We have mothers of all ages, so we need advocates of all ages. We have mothers of all backgrounds who speak many languages. We need advocates from many backgrounds who speak many languages. And so if you're in this room, it is not a mistake. It is not a coincidence. It is intentional. And the time is now, and I urge you, and I, I truly encourage you, please just speak with us, and we'd love to, to share a bit more of our stories of what it's been like as we advocate for women in our community and to help explain the problem and what we're seeing and what the answer really is as we look through the scriptures. But we are here. We are excited. We are on mission. And I believe the church and I've heard everyone say this. I've heard Pastor Adam say this. If not us, then who? I believe the church is the answer. God is the answer. And we're the ones that are going to carry the truth and the love of God. And so I'm excited to join this team. I'm excited to join a team of women who are powerhouse individuals. And Nikki, to watch you advocate for our moms here in the center has been a true honor. And so the community is beginning. The community is here. And we need you. And so I need you to join my team so that we can continue to take this love and message of Jesus and begin to tra help transform lives and to just walk alongside women who, who are working very, very hard to preserve their families. And together we can address this crisis and let God move in a mighty and powerful way. Sound good? Does it sound like something you can do? Come on. I believe it. <laughs> I, I want to pray for these women um, in this ministry we are 
it is our privilege to, to partner with EMA, and we have been really since I started here um, a little over three years ago, and um, to see the growth and the progress and just the expansion of, of this great work, um, it's, it's emotional. It's, it's amazing. We want to see 10 advocates come out of, this is our call to action today. We want to see 10 advocates come today. If you are interested in that, we, we want you to go to that table at the end of service, talk with Kristen, talk with Shar, and communicate your interest. They will, they will walk you through it. it is, is it scary? Yep. Is it, is it safe? Nope. Is it, like, we, we focus a little too much on being comfortable and safe and, and all these things. It's not, it's not what our, our lives are about. It's, it's meant to stretch us. Is it, is it rewarding? 100%. Is it needed? Absolutely. So we, we, we are calling you to act today. Um, don't be like, ah, I'm going to pray about it. Ah. I mean, of course, pray about it. But sometimes we hide behind that a little too much to say, ah, you know, we'll see what God wants. Listen, we're, this is what God wants from us. So I want to push you to, to act. This is a call for women to come out and to do this. Um, thank you guys for what you do. I want to pray for for Ema and the work that they are doing. And would you just join me in prayer and as a, as a way of just um, showing solidarity and, and communion with this time, just extend a hand out to these ladies. Can you just move up a little bit here? Don't be shy. <laughs> so, Lord, we, I, I thank you. I thank you for Charlie. I thank you for Kristen. I thank you for the whole team who have given their lives to do something difficult to do something uncomfortable, uh, to do something unsafe, and to uh, do something totally in alignment with your will and your word. God, I pray that you bless this, this ministry, this organization. I pray you bless these women uh, as you've poured into their hearts the desire to care for the vulnerable, for the marginalized, for the voiceless, now more than ever, Ema needs, needs your spirit to lead, to protect, to strengthen. Would you do that, God? Would you provide clarity of vision? Would you provide strength when, uh, as leaders, we feel alone and ineffective and when those moments come, we're just saying, why do I do this? I pray as those moments come, uh, you would provide grace, strength, faith, hope, love, because that's who you are. And when we walk and step out in your plan, it doesn't mean that we will be troubleless. It means that we will have someone with us in the trouble. And so I just pray that for all of Ema as it expands, as it impacts more and more families. Bless it with your power, your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Thank you, thank you. Well, I want to, um, with the time that we have left, I want to address this 
very issue with, with Scripture um, to some degree. And I know we, we talked last week about listening, and we were going to do part two this week, but shifted a little bit. Um, and we'll get to that in another week or two. But we, we as church exist to, to bring wholeness. That's what, that's what God has called us to do. <clears throat> we believe that it is our joy, our privilege, our mission, our vision, because there's so much brokenness around us. And we partner with organizations that help to do this very thing. EMA being one of those organizations that in, 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 in a world where the family unit is, is so broken and in a time when we just, just we, we too often jump to quick fixes and quick solutions and just quick rhetoric to say like, well, if you only did this, then things would not be so bad. Um, that's, that's easy. That's cheap. That's, that's not the answer. The answer is what Ema is doing. The answer is the hard work of, of living out the gospel in a powerful way. And I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the, this idea of partnering and what, what does that look like when we not just partner with an organization like EMA, but when we partner with the cause of Christ, when we partner with, with people and organizations that, that care about what God is doing and what he has called us to do. And if, you're, you're, if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, a, a Christian, this is absolutely for us. And for us is a, a wake-up time, right? We, the events of this last week, it's wild. The overturning of Roe versus Wade. I'm not sure I thought that was ever going to happen. I'm not sure I knew what would that mean if it ever did happen, but it's here. It's happened. And especially in our state, you know, what that's going to mean for us. And in, in, I find myself um, in an in a interesting position because on the one hand, I, I so value life and I, I, I don't, I don't want to see abortions. I don't want to see children being, being killed. And I, I, I agree that, that this is, is complex and complicated, but yet at the, at the very essence of loving life and caring for life, we want to stand for life and we want to stand against the killing of life and the killing of, of babies. And then at the other side of it, we can't just sit back if you're in that position and say like, all right, yay, the laws have been passed and now let me sip on my coffee and, and move on with things. Let me see what else we can get the government to change. <laughs> we have work to do. We have a lot of work to do. Yeah, this is wonderful. Babies are going to be born. We're, we're happy about that. What are we going to do with that? Are we going to look to ChildNet and DCF and just to say, like, oh, the government will take care of all of this. And, and if you guys just, you know, if you get your lives together, then you'll stop having these unwanted pregnancies. Or we'll say, like, that's not the call of the Christian. The, the call of the Christian is, is to 
to be a, a refuge and a hospital and a, and a hope for the hurting and the lost and the broken. So are you ready to, to step up and, and to advocate, to help families stay together? Are you, are you ready to, to step up and to foster, to adopt It's not, it's not over. It's, it's just starting. Um, Micah, the book of Micah, chapter 6, 6 to 8. This is what, this is what it says. Can you pull that up? With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression? the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul. He has told you, O oh man, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with our God? This is God's word. Look, this question, what is good? Right? I mean, this is... What does the Lord want? What does the Lord require? This is the question that we see coming thousands of years ago. It's a question that we ask ourselves, I think, all the time. In our world that is, is so broken and divided in so many ways, whether it's religious divisions, racial, economic, ethical, political, I mean, all the things. Through it all... I think we're trying to ask ourselves the question, well, what do I do? What do I do? What does God want from me? What, if there is a God, does he have any requirements of me, or do I just live however way I want? What should I do? What should the government do? And we, we try to answer these questions, often imperfectly. We, we fight, we yell, we post, we, we, we take cheap shots, we just swing way far left and right to call names and to put titles on someone who has a, has a certain perspective. So the reality is we live in a complex world with complex issues that often need and demand complex solutions. And through all of it, we see these things come up and we... We just, our biases, our experiences, our, our life shape how we view those issues. And often we respond with solutions that are just too simple. It's like going to a drug addict and saying, hey, listen, just stop. You know this isn't good for you. Just, just stop. Like they know. They know. They know they need to stop. Someone who deals with anxiety or worry or depression a lot, it's like, just cheer up. This is not that hard. Smile. Be happy. Don't worry. 
It's like, it's crazy. It's the, f- the fun thing in my house is when someone's, you know, really worked up and someone else in the house tells that person, just calm down. It's like, just back away. <laughs> it's like, don't you tell me to calm down. We lean toward quick fixes. We want to get it off our plates and just move on, right? I mean, I, I get it. Some of you would like, you hear about Amy, you're just like, I'll just write a check. I'll just give you money. Please don't ask me to, to give them my time for, for 10 weeks, 12 weeks, 16, whatever it is, an hour here or there. We, we just want quick fixes, right? That's, that's what we get. We have a problem. We Google it, and in in 0.7 seconds, you will get 9 billion responses to the thing that you're trying to figure out. You want a cup of coffee? You place your order on your app. You go through. You barely have to slow down to get that cup of coffee. Like, you want whatever you want. It's at your fingertips at any second, any time. We rarely have to want or wait for anything And technology is making it more and more so that our time spent interacting with other humans is down to just the swipe of a finger, and it's just yes or no, Uh, I'll deal with you or I will cancel you, and and life, I, I I just need to be able to move forward. And so when someone or something comes knocking at our door with real problems, with with real complexity, we we have to snap ourselves out of it to just not say like to the person, just go Google it. You're having trouble with your family? You'll have all the answers you want. Find a YouTube video, how to be a better mom. How to stop worrying, how to be. <laughs> it's, it's a far extreme, but man, I, I mean, I feel myself there. Maybe you feel yourself there. So this isn't, See, this isn't an opportunity for me to guilt you into doing anything because this isn't at all about guilt. And that is, that's one of the, the things that I think separates us as Christians, as Christ followers. It separates us from people who just want to be religious. See, we don't just want to solve problems by way of convenience. We want to solve problems by what's, through what's needed. See, our, our directing scripture as a church is, is to seek, seek the wholeness of the city where I have sent you into exile. Jeremiah 29.7. Seek the wholeness of the city where I have sent you. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its wholeness you will find your wholeness. That word wholeness is often translated as welfare. It's peace, shalom, comprehensive peace. This is what drives us. This is what gets us focused and geared up to do what God has called us to do. But see, there's that element of seek this where I have sent you. And often we forget that it is God who has put us where we are. And in this time, it is no mistake that we planned this time for Ema to present themselves. We, we didn't do this this last week, saying, oh, man, Roe v. Wade was overturned. We need to put Ema in front of everybody. This was, this was planned. 
It's no, it's no mistake you are here in this church, sitting here in South Florida in a, in a contentious time. And God is asking the very question that Micah was asking, what shall I render before the Lord? What does God want from me? See, Micah was a prophet. He, he was speaking on behalf of God to the people, and he was speaking to a nation that was divided. Israel during that time was divided. There was Israel in the north and Israel in the south. Israel in the north had its capital of Samaria. Israel in the south was called Judah, and that was the capital, uh, the capital was Jerusalem. Both kingdoms of Israel are being judged during this time for rebellion, for all kinds of things. I don't have time to go into it all. But things that are similar to what we are dealing with today. And so we come to the end of this book in Micah, Micah chapter 6. God's pronounced judgment on, on, on Israel, but he promises them, as he always does, that this won't last forever. He promises that there will be a time of redemption, of refreshing. It, it, when things look their darkest, God is always starting to work for his good, our, for our good, his glory, for a way to bring revival, refreshing to our land, to his people. We, we need that. This is our time. In this famous passage, this, some of the most important questions any human can ask, what's good? What does God want? What shall I come before the Lord with? How can I bring change to my world? And that's, that's the question that we want to answer as we talk about wholeness, as we talk about what, what does that look like for us uh, as a church to bring the opposite of brokenness into people's lives. Not just moms, but we're highlighting that today. Not just broken families. See, there's, there's the right answer and the wrong answer. And the wrong answer, he, he shows us in verses 6 and 7, right? That's the beginning of this passage. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself? Shall I come before with burnt offerings, with calves a year old, with thousands of ram, 10,000 rivers of oil? Should I give my firstborn child? Right? This is what we ask God. Like, God, I'll do anything. Just tell me what you want. Like, make it clear. I'll do what you want me to do. If you really want me to be an advocate, just show me. I'll do be an advocate. If you want me to give money, I'll give money. If you want me to do... But, see, we come at it from the wrong angle. And this is what I, I want us to see is that we're not talking about guilt here. We're talking about what's our motivation for doing anything. We come and ask this question, what shall I come before the Lord with? What did I... <laughs> and you see the increasing nature of this wrong answer. He says, I'll just do more. Right? I'll do more. This is our problem. We are constantly trying to find our way to get to God. That's dead religion. That's religion. That's ritual. That's not the gospel. You heard that term gospel being used even in their presentation. What does it mean for us 
to, to apply the gospel so that we can bring change. It's not, let me do more so that I can get closer to God. God, what do you just want from me? You want, I'll go be an advocate. I'll go do this. I'll go do this. And we spin this hamster wheel over and over and over again, trying to just do more so that we can be more and we can feel better about ourselves. That is prison. That's dead. That's religion. That's, okay, God, I will, I'll obey you so that I'll be accepted. Whereas being a Jesus follower, a Christian caring about the gospel is, I am accepted because of who you are, and therefore I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run for you, with you. If you have not been changed by the amazing, forgiving, gracious, merciful power of the Lord then everything that you will put your hand to, everything you will give towards, will only serve to make you just fill up that little emptiness inside of you that you hope you can find value and worth and significance in who you are. God has already told you who you are. We sang about it today. He has told you that you are valued, precious, accepted, significant because of his great love for you. He has done all the work through Jesus. That cross is not just an icon. It's not just a symbol that we have hanging because that's what churches do. We keep it up as a reminder to see that's what has happened with our lives. Our sin has been taken upon Jesus Christ because he loved us so much and he took it to his death so that we could have life, so that when we hear about the needs of moms, we could go, all right, I better just get up and do something. No, it's not just that. It's like God has done so much for me. He has cared for me. The, 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 the marginalized, the voiceless, the outcast, the one that was hopeless without intervention. He intervened, and so now we get the opportunity to intervene. And if you're like, I am, my, I am such a mess myself, how can I help anybody? Yeah, now you're getting it, right? Like, you start to understand the gospel. It's like, we are a mess. We don't have it. Every day I stand, or every Sunday I stand up here and go, who on earth am I to speak to these people and tell them how to love God? but I have to listen to who God has, has made me, what his voice says. And it's not just ritual. It's not just this is the, the Adam show. This is me trying to figure this out and live this out and have been called to lead this church in what is the, the vision and the mission that, that God has for us and calling you to come alongside of me and say, let's work for the glory of God to understand the gospel, this amazing gospel of grace and forgiveness. See, religion says, all right, I have year-old calves. All right, you want 1,000 rams? That's not enough? All right, 10,000 rams, or 10,000 uh, rivers of oil. <laughs> That's not enough? All right, you want my, my kid? That's what we do. It's a never-ending cycle. And this was thousands of years ago. The prophet is, is talking about our condition and our condition of trying to find that magic key to unlock God's blessing. 
And so we try to do good. We want to do good things that, God, that we think God wants and that will make us look good, make us feel good, all the while believing that in the end God has to take me in because I wasn't that bad. And we want God's help. We, we generally know that we need God's help, but we often just want it on our own terms. We just want to love how, how we want to love and don't ask me to do anything more than that. So this is the difference about me coming and being like, do you, do you care about children? Do you care about moms? And stop sitting around drinking good coffee and, you know, get to work. That's, that's guilt trip, right? I come from an Italian family, like guilt, guilt and Jewish family. I have them both. It's guilt, guilt on every end. No, what I'm saying what God's saying is, look at what God has done for you. What is your response going to be? It's this big question. What does God want? He wants us to be so amazed at his love for us that we can't help but go and get out of this days of Netflix and social media and, and just every distraction around us to get out of that and, and, and to, to be here, to, to be energized, to be fed the, the word of God so that we can then go out and bring wholeness to the world around us. We, I know, man, Sundays, we're competing with a lot here. In South Florida, just you being here is quite a win. It's a victory. But if you're here to just check a box off to feel better about yourself, man, you're, you're missing the, the, the joys of what we do here. We come, we, we gather because this is what God's people do so that they can be encouraged by one another. They can be in a room with people who are not just like them. If all you want is the echo chamber of people, of it just coming back at you, everything that you think is right and good and true, just constantly being, you know, you speak it and everybody just agrees with you. Oh, you're so right, you're so right, you're so right about whatever. Then you're missing the, the beauty of what we do. In an, <laughs> there's someone was saying recently, an author who's saying, the fastest way to grow a church is... To, to pick one of, the, one of the sides, one of the extremes, the left, the right, and just go all in on that side. Because it's just what people want. Like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to be the most Republican church ever. We're going to be the most Democratic church ever. People will come. See, it's this really weird, uncomfortable middle that we often stand in that it's just like, yeah, you're kind of crazy, and you're kind of crazy. You're kind of right, and you're kind of right. Now, there are, look, I am not in any way saying that there are not absolute truths that we have to agree on. I, I want to tell you that this is where we stand on the absolute truth <laughs> and that we will not, we will not compromise on what this Bible says. But man... Like, we talked about listening last week and listening to God. I mean, 
if you just go get involved with EMA and just listen to people's experiences that are so vastly different than the most of us have ever had to deal with. It changes you. Listen to people who maybe are not as happy about the Supreme Court decision as you are. Just listen for a minute without formulating your response. Maybe listen to the people who are so happy about the, the, the Supreme Court decision. But God help us if anything that that court does is our grounding for hope and wholeness in this world. God is bigger than these things. And it's not that they're not important, but, but oh man, we are, we, the church, we have to be a place beyond some of these things, a place where it is, <laughs> we want it to be a safe place, but we also want it to be a place where there can be exchanging of opinions and ideas that are uncomfortable. And if you classify that as unsafe, then that's not our job. If God wills it and we, we continue to grow and flourish as a, as a multicultural, diverse in age, gender, race, socioeconomic, etc., there are going to be lots of disagreements within us. That, can, that is good. Can you imagine going to the gym and they took out all the weights? You go to the gym and you're just like, what am I going to do? Ah, just, we're all just going to walk around. No resistance. <laughs> resistance brings growth at times. Resistance can be good. Healthy conflict is good. Healthy, healthy struggle is good. If all we do is just run at the first sight of disagreement, the first sight of trouble, we're not... We're not, we're just trying to be comfortable. We're not, we're not, we don't care about the gospel. What will I do to bring, what do you want, God? What do I bring to you? Is it more of this, more of this, more of this? <clears throat> he tells us what it is. He says, look, I've told you, oh man, verse 8. You want to know what God wants? It's not often we see this in Scripture, but we see it here. He has told you, O oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. We could spend a lot of time going through each of these. Right? To do justice, love kindness, walk humbly. We don't have time to unpack all of this. But let me just say this. A brief description of each. When he says to do justice, this is the Hebrew word for this. Almost always, always is in reference to the most vulnerable in society. Almost always. 
It means to save the oppressed and punish the oppressor. To save the oppressed and punish the oppressor. Which part of that do we like more? The saving or the punishing? If you were to take an anecdotal survey of social media, what do we like more? We want to punish the oppressor, right? I mean, that's, that's just human nature. It's like we see injustice. I want punishment. I want to, I, I want to handle business. All right, it's why we love, we love superhero movies, right? The, the, the normal authorities, they, they can't do enough to help the people, so they need a hero, someone who's going to deliver them from all the, the, the forces of evil, right? The storytellers, under, they, they get it. But we, we don't have to be spectators waiting for, for Superman to fly in and save the day. We are tasked to do justice, not as a vigilante. We don't need to put on masks and, and put a cape on and take the law into our own hands. No, God is actually tasking us to do something way, way more difficult, to actually care about people, to, to care about the most vulnerable in society. Don't hear that term justice and automatically swing that door one way and say, oh, you, right, what's, the, what's the favorite term now to, to throw at people who talk about justice? You're woke. Oh, you've gone woke. You're just talking about justice in church. Listen, being awakened to anything is not necessarily a bad thing, but we have taken that word now, and you, can't, you just can't even use it anymore. So let's just let the Scripture speak for themselves, that this is what God has called us to. And this is not just an Old Testament thing. I mean, Jesus came to us with two great commands. What, am I, what are you to do? Love God with everything and love people with everything. Love your neighbor. He talks about the little ones, right? He says, if you let the little ones go astray, what's going to happen? It's better that you just jump into the lake with a big stone tied around your neck and just die. But Jesus, he gets real. He cares about the marginalized. He cares about the oppressed. He cares about the broken, which means we need to care about the broken and not just punishing the oppressor, but actually, <laughs> actually caring and caring delivering the oppressed. That's the harder thing. It's the better thing. The weak, the marginalized, the outcast, that's what it means to be pro-life. Yes, in the womb. But then what happens when that life is born? What are we going to do? I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. I know this is heavy, guys. This is heavy, but these, these are heavy times. And I'm sorry. I, I, I cannot let us just walk in and out of here ignoring some of this stuff and just it being something that we don't address or talk about or care about. To do justice, to love kindness. It's not even just to be kind, but to actually love it. For it to be a priority, an urgency in us to just... To love kindness, mercy. That's what the Hebrew word normally is translated there. It translates mercy, steadfast love, enduring love, covenantal love. This is how God loves us, and he calls us to love others in return. And so we, 
Listen, we like to be kind to people who are kind to us. We like to be kind to those who um, fit our profile. Right? As long as you're just like me and like the things that I like and vote the way I vote and, and smell the way I smell, then, then man, you and I are going to be best friends. And like, oh, isn't he such a great guy? All the while, there's underlying just horrors underneath of hatred. We need, to, we need to love kindness even to those who will give us nothing back. We're to love mercy, to love it in others, to, to bring it out of others. We talked about this a few weeks ago when we're to stir up one another to love and good works. So much of us, we just like to stir up others to hate, be angry, punish the oppressor. And the thing that ties it all together, he says, to walk humbly. Listen, we cannot walk humbly if we don't have a relationship with God. If you don't know what it's like to have a genuine relationship with the Lord, to believe him for the forgiveness of your sin, to believe him to be the strengthening power in your life to do the impossible things that I'm even talking about, I want to invite you to trust him, to believe him, to seek him even now. Right, to not just ask God. Tell me just to, to ask God and say, like, look, just tell me what I need to do. You want to write a check? How many hours a week do I need to volunteer? I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. No, listen, don't do it. <laughs> do it if it is in your heart and you are going to love what you do. We walk humbly with God. Walking in, in, indicates intimacy. It, it, it's, it indicates community. It indicates, I mean, this is what we're talking about, being built together. We are walking this life together, and we want to walk with God in a humble way. What does that mean, even walk with Him humbly? It means I am not just thinking about myself every step of that walk. But asking that question, okay, God, what do you want me to do? Use me, use me, use me. I want to respond. You have done so much for me, and so I want to give back to you because I love you, and I hurt for those who are hurting. And it, it, walking humbly takes the eyes off of ourselves going like, well, what about me? What about my hurt? What about my needs? No. God sees those and he cares for you and he is going to care for those needs and meet those needs. But there is a moment when we need to take our eyes off of ourselves and say, one of the, one of the pathways for my own healing, my own wholeness is to serve, is to give, is to not just be comfortable. We're not trying to just create a new social landscape here to end crime, to just end poverty, to just end all this so that we can have a, a nice, comfortable life. No, our, 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 our heart is to bring Jesus everywhere that we go and that he can, he can, he can bring the healing that's needed with, with what Ema is doing to, to these moms, for these moms, 
in the world that needs hope and wholeness. Listen, imagine a world where we are passionate about doing justice, where we are passionate about loving kindness, where we are passionate about walking humbly with God. It, it brings change. It brings healing. It brings life. And it's going to mean being a little bit uncomfortable, getting a little bit dirty, get, you know, using some time in ways that maybe are not your ideal, but it is worth the, the time, it is worth the effort, it is worth the sacrifice because it is exactly what God has done for you. Let's stand together. Church, we, we want you to respond. We've talked about Alpha. Get involved because there are people who have questions we want them to have answers to. We've talked about Ema. This is a tangible way, ladies, for you to to go and love on some people who absolutely need what you have. You may have nothing in your history that relates to where these moms have been. It doesn't matter. They need you and who God has made you. Do not delay. Do not wait. But above all, trust in Christ. Trust him for the answer to all these problems. We're going to see him move in some amazing, amazing ways. Do you believe that? Let's pray. Father, we give you, we give you glory for who you are. We thank you for what you're doing in our country, what you're doing in our city, what you're doing in our church. May we be a people who are constantly looking to you for answers and not to anyone else, anything else, no institution, no policy, no person, but to you. It's the only place where we will find hope, healing, and wholeness. Show us, God. You are great. Reveal to us more and more your greatness, your power, your amazing love, and it will change us and it will push us into action. For your glory and our joy, God, we pray. Amen.